So this morning uh, we are continuing in the Gospel of John. Uh, we've been here for a few weeks. We're in chapter 3 this morning. Uh, it's where Jesus and Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, they meet, they have a conversation. And so we're just going to go ahead and read through this scene. It's John chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 21. If you want to follow along, uh, you can do that. It'll also be on the screen uh, if you don't have a Bible. It says this. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, and he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be but whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. John's point in writing this book, which we mentioned before, it's stated at the very end of the Gospel of John. He says in uh, chapter 20, verse 31, that these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John wants us, the reader, to believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing, we would have life in his name. And so towards that end, John has been like walking us through uh, these different scenes, these different stories, showing why we should believe that Jesus is the Christ by showing what Jesus actually said and did and demonstrated about himself. In particular, as we've seen the last couple of weeks, John has been 
uh, showing how Jesus stepped into different like, institutions and tradition, tra traditions of Judaism to reveal that he was the Christ and the fulfillment of what those very institutions and traditions pointed to. We find that Jesus, in, in doing this, was often misunderstood. Just as the point of the very institutions and traditions he's stepping into uh, have been misunderstood by the Jews as well. But Jesus has been traveling about, stepping in to show us who he really is and to bring new life. And while John doesn't really get into all the things that Jesus did, he does tell us that Jesus was doing many signs and wonders. And that some were believing. And we know from the other Gospels, the other testimonies of Jesus, that Jesus was healing the sick, that he was giving sight to the blind, he was performing all sorts of miracles. Enter Nicodemus. These signs are what drew him to talk with Jesus. Now, Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were essentially a group or like a sect of Judaism that put a lot of emphasis on following uh, the law and the traditions. They might even uh, put up like, new guidelines or they might like fence around God's law so that it would be even harder to end up disobeying God's law. So for example, like God's law says not to work on the Sabbath, right? And so the Pharisees uh, would then like define specific work that people shouldn't do, but that they might do by accident because they wouldn't even realize that it would be recognized as work. I don't know if this was a fact or not, but I read that one fence that they put up was uh, that you couldn't spit on the Sabbath because it would disturb the dirt and then you'd be guilty of plowing the earth on the Sabbath. It sounds kind of absurd, right? Kind of is. However, the Pharisees did care about keeping God's law. That much is evident. They thought they were doing something that God expected and something that God wanted. Though they also got it all twisted up with like their own superiority, their own self-righteousness, and they made themselves hypocrites. But they thought they were doing what God expected. They thought they would be rewarded. Anyway, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Probably a prominent Pharisee, a, a well-known teacher. Nicodemus is curious about Jesus because of the signs and the wonders that either he has witnessed himself or he's heard about. Now often in the Gospels when uh, the Pharisees would come around, right, they, they're, they're up to no good. They're trying to trap Jesus. But Nicodemus is Jesus' first encounter with a Pharisee in the book of John. And he seems to be genuinely interested in Jesus and in his ministry. And he starts this conversation, we can tell this because he starts this conversation in, in verse 2 saying, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless, unless God is with you. He honors Jesus up front. He calls Jesus Rabbi or teacher. That, that's an esteemed title, especially coming from a Pharisee. And, but he adds that he knows Jesus has come from God. Nothing else can explain these signs that Jesus does. And with Nicodemus' own words, John draws us in to the institution, to, to the tradition of the rabbis and the teachers in Judaism. Jesus is going to reveal himself as the greater teacher. Truly the teacher who's sent by God. 
as Nicodemus has said, but surely he was unaware of the gravity of his own words. So Jesus responds to Nicodemus in verse 3. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Right? To which Nicodemus doesn't quite understand what he's talking about. He makes a remark about not being able to return to his mother's womb, just kind of noting the absurdity of the idea of being reborn. So listen again to what we just read, what Jesus says back to Nicodemus, verses 5 to 8. Jesus responds and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now I realize maybe Jesus' response sounds a little bit confusing. Maybe it seems a little bit unclear. But in those few verses, in Jesus' response, uh, Jesus has said some truly remarkable things. Especially if we're considering the context of speaking them to Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee. Everything else in the passage after this is really just unpacking what he just said in verses 5 through 8. One point that may seem unclear to us is this whole born of the water and the spirit part. What does it mean to be born of the water? What does it mean to be born of the spirit? Well, let's consider uh, John the Baptist, right? Who John's already told us about, John the Baptist. He baptized with water and said that one was going to come after him who would baptize with the spirit. John the Baptist also baptized Jesus with water. And he saw the Spirit come down like a dove and remain on Jesus as a sign that Jesus was the cross. If you remember John telling us about that. But why did John baptize with water? He said it was to prepare the way of Jesus, to call people to make themselves ready, to repent of sin, to purify themselves, to follow God's ways and to look for the coming of the Messiah. But John the Baptist knew and he preached that the baptism that he gave wasn't all they needed. They needed something more. Only Christ could bring them. Consider also Jesus' first sign in the book of John, turning water into wine at the wedding back in Cana. What did he use? He had ritual purification pots filled with water, and then he turned it all into wine, which made the pots unusable for purification anymore. Why did he do that? Because what the water did only in the flesh, only God can do for the heart. See, while the Pharisees strive for righteousness by following the law physically, they also break the law in heart, like we all do. They desire power, they desire honor for themselves, they desire wealth, more. They made themselves superior to others, they got caught up in the the show of their religiosity. They weren't saving anybody from sin. There was nothing actually life-giving in their works and in their teachings. Because to them, the law was a means of gaining righteousness. Right? The law was a means of gaining righteousness, of gaining God's favor. But that isn't what the law 
was ever for. The law was always about God already showing his favor, right? Already making a way to be identified with him. Already delivering and already showing his great love for his people. And the law was continuing to do all that by giving them guidance on how to live in a truly life-giving way. And Jesus, like revealing himself as the better teacher, the teacher sent from God is saying, like, you do need to obey God's law, right? You do need to obey God in the flesh. It's actually really good for you. But that can only truly happen if you've been baptized, if you have a baptized heart, a new spirit that's like driving you to even understand why you're doing the things you're doing. Like the wind is driven by what you cannot see. Everything you do that you can see needs to be driven by the spirit you cannot see. So you can wash with like all the water you want. You can make your sacrifices. You can enforce the law. But you need your heart renewed. So that you can begin to see what the law is truly about. And Jesus is saying that he is the only teacher that can be that. The law is about seeing and like recognizing the great love of God and then like living from it. Giving yourself away from it. And seeing all things made new because of it. There's no life in trying to earn God's love by keeping the law. Because it's rejecting the love he's already has for you. It's hiding from you. It's trying to make yourself lovable. So whoever Jesus is, he isn't like other teachers. He's claiming to be here. He's claiming to do something more than uh, change behaviors and, and promise rewards for good behavior. He's claiming to be a teacher that can actually change hearts. That can actually fill them with the Spirit of God. So that God and His kingdom will be what drives them from a heart level to live the way God tells them to live. As we've seen in previous weeks, there's, there's some things that John writes about that were surely only understood in part at the time that they actually happened, but are more fully understood, understood after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What Jesus says next is certainly one of those things. In chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, Jesus reminds Nicodemus of the story of Moses back from the book of Numbers. He says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descends from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believed in him may have eternal life. So back when uh, Moses was leading God's people through the wilderness after being delivered from Egypt, there was a scene where um, serpents were biting and killing the people in the wilderness. It sounds pretty terrifying. And it was happening because of their own sin. But God told Moses to make a fiery serpent made of bronze, to put it up on a pole, and to lift it up over the camp. Right? To lift up this serpent. And he said that if anybody was bit by a serpent, all they had to do then was to look at the fiery serpent on the pole, and they would be healed. And so Jesus here, he's talking to Nicodemus, says that in the same way, he must also be lifted up. And whoever will believe in him, whoever will look to him, will have eternal life. 
He's proclaiming himself to be the way to healing, the way to new life, the way to be reborn. All one has to do is to look to him. What was understood in the moment that he said that to Nicodemus? I don't know if we can ever know for certain, but probably not more than just that, that he's the way, that he's the Christ, right? But what we know more fully, like after the cross and after the resurrection, is that Jesus would literally be lifted up on a cross. And he would die. And he would fully give up himself. And that after he died, he would be resurrected from the grave. Having made a way for our sins to be fully atoned for. So that we could be righteous. So that we could actually be pure. And so that we could receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is, that we could be indwelled with and by the Holy Spirit. We could be driven by the Holy Spirit. We could have a whole new way of living. We could have new life. Jesus wasn't telling Nicodemus how exactly he would do what he would do. But Jesus was proclaiming himself to be greater than the teachers and the rabbis of Judaism. He's the one from above. He's the Christ. He's the true and better teacher. He was not offering rewards for righteousness. He was offering righteousness and new life that could never be gained by the works of man. No one can ascend to heaven except for the one who descended. All one must do is look to him. This is expanded on in the last part of this passage. Getting in John 3.16. That's one of the most popular verses in the Bible in modern times. You likely know it or are familiar with it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish and have eternal life. We're going to come right back to that in a moment. But just let's just drop down to the end of the passage. John 3, 19 through 21. It says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You know, John, in all of his letters, loves to talk about Jesus as the light, which gives us light. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness more. Why? It's because those who do wicked things hate the light because the light exposes who they really are. Stepping from dark to light can be uncomfortable, right? It can be painful. If you know that there's things that you're guilty of, you might rather just hide. If you're carrying shame, you might rather hide. Or you might think you can do something to clean yourself up. Or you can hide the things that you've done. Or, or get rid of your guilt and get rid of your shame on your own before stepping out and presenting yourself in the light. That's what many of us try to do. We're afraid to be seen for who we really are. So we stay hidden in the dark. I understand that. It's hard. It's hard to be exposed. It's hard to trust. I think John 3, 16 through 17 is a word of comfort, an invitation for us all this morning. For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that 
he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. As we wrap up, as we kind of enter into a time of response, I want you to hear the truth, this truth of Scripture this morning. Hear the invitation of God. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And God did not send His Son to condemn, but to save. Listen, like if God wanted to condemn the world, if God wanted to condemn you, Jesus would have come. Jesus not coming would be condemnation for us. Those who see themselves as superior as, as well as those who see themselves as inferior would both be equally found guilty. But Jesus did come because God loves us. Because God loves each and every one of you. He loves you where you are and as you are. Self-righteous or blatantly rebellious came for you right there. And the scripture says that he was lifted up on that cross and that he died for your sins so that we could be purified once and for all. He rose again so that God could dwell with us, so that the Spirit could indwell us, so that we could live the way that he made us to live. We can have life. We can have God-given eternal life, and we should be living in that life right here and right now, living from this good news of Jesus today and every day. All we have to do is look to Him. Like, imagine being one of those people back in the wilderness, bitten by a serpent in the wilderness and dying, and all you have to do is look at a bronze serpent on a pole. I mean, can you imagine not looking? I just want you to hear this morning that Jesus is safe to look at. Jesus is safe to look at. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came because God loves you. He came to save you. And so all of us can step out of the darkness and into the light and come to Him. You and I, we can trust Him with our guilt with our shame, we can let it all be exposed. There's nothing you can do. Hiding in the darkness will clean you up. Nothing you can do there will save you, will help you to ascend to God. Nothing will make you right before Him. Only Jesus can do that. Only the one who descended from heaven. Only the one who came from heaven. Only the one who came to save you. can do that. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you and give you new life because God loves you. So if you're hiding in the darkness, the invitation is simple. Come out and look to Jesus. Give your heart to Him today because the promise is not condemnation. The promise is new life. So in a moment, I'm going to pray for us, and the band's going to come, and they're going to lead us in a 
time of response and worship. We're going to come and take communion as we do each week. Come down this aisle. Uh, we're going to take some bread. You can dip it in the wine for the juice. And this represents the body and the blood of Jesus. Like as we come, we, we're, we're kind of looking to the cross. We're looking at Jesus lifted up and remembering who he is, who he said he is, and we're proclaiming that it's true. He didn't come to condemn us, he came to save us. So remember him and we proclaim him. If you're a Christian, whether you're a member of Redemption Church or not, we invite you to come and to remember and proclaim and to look to Jesus with us together in that action. As you come, you can also give tithes and offerings. There's a box there in the back for that. You can give online. Uh, some of us give automatically. Take a moment, however it looks, to remember God in your life and to worship Him for all that is. And then I'm going to pray for us. But before I pray for us, I'm just going to give us a few moments of silence for each one of us to sort of set our gaze on Jesus. Take an opportunity to like come out of darkness just confessing our sin to Jesus and accepting his forgiveness and asking him to help us see the way that he sees. Help us to love the way that he loves. Help us to live the way that he lives by the Spirit. If you'd like to pray with somebody, I'd like to invite you to do that. If you want to, if you've never accepted Christ, if you want to get to know Jesus for the first time, you can grab somebody you know, you can pray for them, you can come down front and see me, I'd be happy to pray with you. Somebody will be in the back over there, you can pray with them as well. We'd love to be able to pray with you and walk you through that. I want to pray for us. Let's just take a moment before we do that. Look to Jesus. Come out and confess. Come out and accept. Some of us probably hiding in the darkness. Some of us have never come out. Some of us have never looked to Jesus. Maybe we didn't know to, or maybe we've avoided it. 
suffer filled with guilt. They can't find themselves to be lovable, filled with shame. And some are just fearful. Others of us are, we call ourselves Christians, we, we know you, we've walked with you. But life here under the sun, life here on earth, uh, it's a daily looking to you. I mean, that's what we're called to. It's a daily looking to you. Sometimes we, we start kind of hiding from you again. Some days we kind of cover ourselves in guilt and shame. Some days we actually just feel like we've got to, we've got to figure it out. Like we've done it. Some of us are self-righteous. And we need to be exposed. Lord, I just pray this morning that wherever each one of each one of us are, that we would just that we would hear the simple message of the gospel that you love us, and that while all that stuff is real and I guess you know it's valid, sin has come between us, sin has wrecked us, sin has hurt people, sin has made us guilty and shameful. And, and deserving of death. But you love us. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. There is abundant grace and mercy. Christ. trust you. We can step out into the light. Help us to see you for who you really are. Help us to see us the way you see us. Help us to see how you love us. Help us to recognize um, your great love for us so that we can have the faith it takes just to look. Just to look at you. Just to look at the cross the resurrection of Jesus that in itself, that is the greatest evidence that we have of your great love for us and that you did not come to condemn us. Jesus came and he died and he rose again. I pray that you meet each one of us where we are this morning and that you draw us out of the darkness. Heal us. Save us. Give us that new life day in and day out. Holy Spirit, continue to make us more and more uh, Christ-like as a body here. That we would people who would be a people who could be honest about our failures because we wholly trust you with them. Make yourself known here this morning. And as we go.